Hi, my name is Tristan. And this is Reza. On today's episode of Loading Screen, our focus for today is going to be on a new genre called city management. As you can tell, probably one of the most exciting genres that you can imagine playing a game in. Tristan, can you tell me a little bit about why you think, uh, or what, what do you imagine whenever you hear the word city management? Yeah, it's like, hey, I am living in the city right now. I hate how that there are no bike lanes <laughs> or, you know, the taxes are too high. I wish I can just do something about that and build my own utopian city, basically. I think I think it comes down to kind of a lot of like resource management, at least for me, building the perfect layout, right? I I like grids a lot. So so being able to live out those fantasies, I think, is is what I think about when I think about city city management. Yeah, it's definitely the type of game for people who, you know, don't have enough management in their life as is, which <laughs> doesn't apply to me and you, but I still personally find a lot of enjoyment in these games. So the official definition from from the little uh, research that I did is any game where players act as the overall planner or leader of a city or a town and is largely responsible for its growth and uh, and and trajectory. Nice. And there's a couple of uh, core elements that really kind of contribute to this you know, core idea of city management and a couple of different reasons why why folks really enjoy some of these games. So I'm going to start off a little bit talking about some of these core elements and what folks really, uh, you know, go after when they're looking for a high quality city management game. The first thing is this principle of being a ruler or a strategist of your own personal realm. When folks are looking to, you know, play a game in this kind of genre, what they're really looking for is a creating a world exactly tailored to what they want and what they imagine. Exactly as you said, right? If you yeah. are someone that cares about bikes um, or you care about, you know, like green environments, then like you can do that. You can create uh, like a nature park or a place that's dedicated to trees and plants and parks. Vice versa, if you love oil and you love, you know, gas, then <laughs> you can also go down the route of just polluting to your heart's content. And really it. doing uh, whatever you want. So I think um, that's one of the reasons why folks really love these kinds of games is that you can really do whatever you want. One of the second ideas that I think really makes these things stand out is randomness and procedural generation. Yeah. So, you know, rather than having some set map or set environment for folks to kind of, you know, build from, a lot of these games try to go from complete randomness. Each unique environment is individually its own. You know, as an artifact of that, every city that you create is kind of uh, unique and special to your own specific desires. You know, sometimes you're going to have, you know, mountains uh, all grouped together and you have to kind of uh, learn to cope with that. Mm -hmm. Or you might have a city that's right by the water. And so you have to deal with, uh, you know, flooding or something like that. And so each map is really unique and, and special to its own. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of it too. I think when I was a lot younger, I didn't like that procedural aspect. Uh, a good example, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this, like in SimCity, I would just terraform the map for it to be completely <laughs> flat because I was like, I don't want to deal with tunnels and all that. But I think as I've gotten to play them a lot more, dealing with these constraints is actually what makes it fun. So yeah. I'm glad this is part of the core elements that you you found. Yeah, no, it's great that you brought, brought that up. I mean, I think that's the beauty of these games, right? Like you can really go in whatever direction you want. And there's a couple of like core systems that I think really contribute to that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think like, you know, what word would you use to describe uh, like the stereotype of a city management game? Like, can you think of something that uh, people would immediately think of when they hear the word city management? I think complexity is probably the biggest, uh, the main one. 
Yeah, no, that's a that's the best word I really think. Um, kind of sums up a lot of these uh, these games. I think they have a reputation for being very complicated games. So it's a ton of really intricate core mechanics that kind of play with each other and that you have to keep in mind when you're really building out the cities. But when you kind of break it down into the core mechanics, all of them are fundamentally about a lot of the same core things, which I'll, I'll dive into now. Uh, the first real bit is this idea of like population management. As the owner of a city, you are in charge of the people there and you're uh, essentially allocating them across, you know, all of the different resources that you have uh, and deciding where best to put them. I think at its core, this is really just a problem of, uh, you know, figuring out where to put your people. But in more complicated scenarios, uh, the best games really incorporate elements of keeping these people happy and keeping them satisfied. And so you have a lot of complexity when it comes to balancing out, you know, am I really going to make this the best city possible at the cost of my citizens' happiness? Or am I willing to, you know, give some of that up? And then I think the second part is really resource management. And that sounds boring as shit, but fundamentally what it comes (laughs) down to is really just like what you need to keep a city running, right? And, And that breaks down into four main categories. The first is food science and then production and money essentially right Mm -hmm. it's the basis of all all civilization really Uh, the food is there to kind of help you grow the population and ensure that like everyone is kept happy and healthy naturally you can't have a city that functions well without food so that's obviously something that's pretty important yeah and science is something that i i is one of my personal favorites it really helps you advance the civilization as a whole you know you might start off as a tiny little city that has little more than you know huts or, or fires but you kind of gradually go from that into you know more technologically advanced things and and uh, really grow the civilization over the course of time yep the last two elements are, are production and monetary or money uh production goes into the core resources that allow you to build new things and then money of course you know is is what makes the world turn uh you got to purchase things trade things and and deal with people at its core all real uh you know city management styles kind of have these core resources but what you'll see is that a lot of them kind of explore different arenas and try out new things. And what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think there, there's like a bunch of different expansions for this core genre. Right. One of these, as I obviously mentioned, is this idea of like culture, right? Like mm-hmm. while a lot of people think of these games as being very mathematical in nature, and they are, of course, in the back end, newer ones are really incorporating this idea of like building a culture as you build a city and as mm-hmm. you grow your population. The games like Humankind and Civilization play a particularly strong emphasis on ensuring that, you know, your people feel united as you're kind of growing up. Yeah. The second element, which a lot of Forex games do uh, really well, is this idea of relationship management. So while a lot of the initial games were kind of focused on a singular city where you were just building your own town or building your own city, newer iterations have kind of emphasized this idea of working with other folks that are in the same world as you. Mm-hmm. And where you kind of have to balance out a lot of different relationships, right? Like you can take an aggressive approach and kind of try to conquer them or try to, you know, steal their resources from them and be really aggressive. Or you can take a more diplomatic and friendly approach and kind of try to be the friend of everyone around you and see what kind of, you know, suits your nature. So I think from a gameplay perspective, those are two new mechanics which are kind of you know, influencing the direction of the genre. And then I think the the other element is this idea of, of where is this even set? You know, like I've yeah. obviously talked talked about like huts and fires, but the beauty of these like core mechanics is that they can be applied to really any environment. So the original ones were obviously very historically set 
mm-hmm. which I'll talk about uh, in, in a little bit. But there's nothing stopping these games from being set in the future, being set in a post-apocalyptic world, being set in the modern day. And so there's a lot of room for exploration when you add the specific elements of you know time onto the genre, which is super exciting for me. Got it. So just to mirror back, like there's a lot of resource management going on, whether it's tangible resources or non-tangible resources, like you mentioned, culture. And you, you kind of play that role of, of, I think you said, ruler or strategist, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's a that's a great way of summing it up. What does that sound like to you? Like, does it sound fun or does it sound boring? Does it sound like micromanaging? What does it sound like? Um, it sounds like a lot. Like I brought up complexity already, right? And yeah. now you're like, to quell your worries, Tristan, I'm going to explain every single type of resource that you have to manage, right? Um, now now I'm confused as to why people would even want to play them. Like personally, yes, I've played a lot of them before. But like in general, if these type of games are so complicated and there's so much, I, I'm assuming the ramp up is going to be insane. Why are these games successful? and Why do folks enjoy playing them? Yeah, no, it's a totally valid question. I mean, I think uh, even for me, when I was doing the research for this and really getting into city building games, it was completely different from the type of game that I typically played. Like, you know, I like narrative style games that are really focused on like relationship building and have like a really cohesive story. And so the idea of like sitting in front of my computer for really long sessions, because these (laughs) games can drag on for like four or five hours or like multiple days if you are a normal person and don't stare at a TV for four hours like I do. Um, Like... It, it was really different from what I normally would would go for, mm-hmm. but I think I think what really pulled me in out over time was a, a couple of different things. From a mechanical perspective, you've obviously talked about how it's it's really complicated, right? There's a lot yeah. of different things in play. The thing is that like uh, it's if these games are done well, it's fundamentally about simplicity and about balance. Hmm. it's very easy for these mechanics to become cumbersome or frustrating to deal with and not having to like have access to a resource can lead to a lot of customer frustrations. And uh, because of the fact that some of these games have multiple ways to win, it's just very overwhelming. But the key to it is really about balancing. There's very few parts of these games that are requirements per se. So for example, like in Civilization, which is an extension of city building rather than a core city building game, there's like five different ways to win. If you don't care about religion, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to do anything about it. Maybe Mm -hmm. like a little bit of like thinking, but beyond that, you don't have to really go down that, you know, that pigeonhole of being, you know, uh, like a messianic culture or something like that. Yep. If you want, you can just go all in on science, which is typically what I do because I just find it cool to like build a rocket, like send it out into space. And also like, all of these mechanics are balanced out because these games typically take a really long time to be fleshed out and built. And so yeah. after you've visited them after, you know, like a couple of years, they're typically really well balanced. So that way you can do whatever you want, but there's nothing that's explicitly overpowered. The other thing is, I think while the mechanics are complex, they're also relatively simple. There, There is very few times where you look at an interaction and you fundamentally can't understand what's happening. You may mm-hmm. have to think about, you know, what the ramifications of that are. So like, for example, you may have a modifier that like increases the yields on a specific tile and you might be like, okay, what does this actually mean? But the actual like output, which is increased yields, isn't that complicated, but you do need to think about like how that fits into the bigger picture of what you're building. But fundamentally the systems need to be inherently simple Yep. To allow for the complexity that like a player wants, but that you don't have to go down if you if you really don't want to. Yep. 
So yeah, I, I, I think like from a mechanical perspective, that's the main thing. I had a quick question. You mentioned winning. What does victory look like in a lot of these games? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I'll dive into that in some of the future ones. But at a high level, it's really up to you. Uh, I think like philosophically, there's some city management games that don't have victory conditions. It's just Mm -hmm. you build whatever you want and you do whatever you want. And the goal is like the end goal is really just the city that you're creating. And so like for a lot of people, that's just a very relaxing thing, right? You can just don't have to worry about the pressures of, of winning something. Mm-hmm. Other games, obviously, like the 4X style ones, which are an expansion of city building, as I've said, do have very concrete winning conditions where they're like, you know, you have to launch a space station or you need to conquer X number of civilizations or something like that. But the beauty there, again, is typically that things are very flexible. And so yeah. you can choose whatever route you want to you want to go down. Got it. And I wanted to like just plus one that simple complexity part just going over in my head when i'm playing sim city or city skylines it ends up starting very simple right like you need to put down a water tower or like build a power plant and then it gets like increasingly insane in terms of how those building blocks come together so i i think that's that's at least for me one of the reasons why it's so addicting yeah. Like you start off very small and then, you know, 50 hours later, there are 700 things that are interacting with each other. And you need to kind of like almost like a software engineering term <laughs> of like debug what's going wrong if, if, uh, if there are issues with your city. Yeah, it's very reactionary, but also very long term. It's interesting how they manage to be both um, like long term thinking. But at the same time, like if something goes wrong, you need to be able to react to it very quickly. So you have to be able to like balance those uh, those two out. I also want uh, one other thing, which we've talked about, obviously, is like build whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I think fundamentally you can do whatever you want in these games. If you want to be peaceful, you can be peaceful. You don't have to run a war. You don't have to go into into battles. You can just build whatever the hell you want. Mm -hmm. If you want to be aggressive, you can you can be as aggressive as you want. And the beauty is that like everything is unique because of the procedural generation and because like everyone's approach to these games is different. Mm-hmm. what you build is uniquely your own even the few conversations i've had with friends that play these kinds of games when we sit down and play them together the way we think about our cities is so different from uh from each other's and it's always interesting seeing how different people approach approach their 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 city building i see wait how do you how do you like to approach your city oh that's a good question i mean i think i like to i generally like to create as many cities as fast as possible Mm-hmm. And then just go all in on. I, I'm 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 a little meticulous, so I go very big into like finding individual tiles where I'd want to put certain things, and I kind of plan things out pretty early in advance. So like before I plant my first city, I'll typically have like a route in place of uh-huh. where I want to go, and then I'll start putting down little tiles, being like, oh, these are the adjacencies that I can get, um, and these are like some of the potential yields that I can get. But then, of course, I also like to explore because it's fun to just like walk around. So I usually have one unit that's just like exploring the map while I like do my own thing. Is this like in Civ? Yeah, this is largely in Civ. In in something like uh, Airborne Kingdom, I was honestly just taking it more free flow because mm-hmm. of the nature of the game. Right, I was just kind of like, you know, let's see what happens if I try this, if I try this. But I think once right. you get the groove of the game, I like to optimize as much as possible. Yeah. What about you? SimCity always pops into my head. I like to have different areas of the city, yeah, which is probably very typical of other folks. Mm-hmm. I I also go down that like min max optimization route of just having the perfect resource uh, input and output. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely less about the visual aspects of the cities that I build. Yeah, I mean, it's also just like there's so much to take in that <laughs> the cities are never going to look pretty pretty unless you're that's what you're really going for. Yeah. This is an aside, but uh, my favorite thing in these games is seeing a tile where you just like squeeze the heck out of these adjacencies and you have like a beautiful yield. I think I had one, <laughs> one um, there was one game in Civ where I had nine science, nine culture, uh, oh five food and 10 money on like four tiles back to back. And it was just it was so beautiful. I, I like sent it to my friends. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is also an aside, but... I do like watching uh, YouTube content creators who basically play these games in sandbox mode and they like yeah. design out a city. Yeah. Because like, I don't know how to do that in my head. Yeah. So watching some of these professional YouTubers play this game, I feel like the biggest dumbass on the planet because like, <laughs> I think I'm optimizing when I'm, you know, putting down my little markers, but then I see what right. they do and I'm like, this is so far beyond anything I could do. It's kind of insane how specific people get. There's also obviously so much math behind a lot of this stuff, right? So there's yeah. a lot of people that have dug into the like root math and uh, and like the very complicated mechanics that are in these games. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to do that. I think that's the beauty of these games, right? Like you can, if you just want, just build a city. You don't even have to worry about like any of the math, the adjacencies or anything like that. You yeah. just build something that you like feel proud of when you're looking at it, really. Yeah, that makes sense. It's less about the competition. Yeah. So you you mentioned the mechanics. There's a lot of complexities. There's you know a lot of visualization as well. I'm assuming to render cities and and what's actually going on. I'm wondering what it even started from. Like how did the history of this genre uh, look like? Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great question. So I did a bunch of research into into the history of the genre, and it, it's. I was particularly surprised to see some of the the stuff that I learned. So the first game, which uh, is typically described as a city building game, was called the Sumerian game. Uh, it was started in 1964. So this was way before you know some of the stuff that we talked about in some of our other episodes. And it was it was uh, fundamentally an edutainment game, right? Right. It was intended for students, and it was intended for. It was literally made by a teacher. Uh, whose name was uh, Mabel Addis, who started the game. And what's interesting is that she's sometimes considered to be one of the first female uh, video game designers. Hmm. In, in general, one of the first uh, video game designers and writers of all time, which is super interesting. But yeah, so the game is called The Samaria Game. As I said, it was a text-based game that was designed to help students learn more about economics. It was designed together by a fourth grade teacher and then finally developed by IBM. And then it was played by a group of, of 36th graders. It was super interesting. The game really set the foundation, I think, of what a lot of these games try to do and that it was uh, split into several main segments or like what a, a more modern games would, would describe as like eras. And yeah. the very first one, the player kind of plays a series of rounds that gives them information about the city's population, how much farmland they have, how many farmers they have. And then the players use these numbers uh, to kind of make decisions about what directions to go in, right? So like they could, how much grain do they want to use to make food? What do they want to plant? What are they going to store for next, uh, for next generations? And the game would then use these as inputs to kind of calculate the state for the next round of the game. And all of this was quite literally text-based. Like it would literally print out the results. And there's a really cool photo online of um, of like the projections that were, uh, it would literally use a projector to kind of like show pictures and mm -hmm. what was deemed as like some of the first cutscenes for for video games ever. 
So it was super, super rudimentary, but it was also pretty advanced. Like it had, you know, the possibility for random disaster happen to so like fires, mm-hmm. floods, rotting. Um, so it was more complicated than like what a lot of people, uh, a lot of people would, would expect. The second segment of the game uh, would expand on a lot of the fundamentals from the first segment, mm-hmm. but it allowed people to kind of use workers for science and crafting. And this led to a lot of new discoveries and things that impacted the yields. So again, like goes back to the idea of a tech tree uh, where you yeah. kind of like learn new things and, and grow your civilization over time. And then the third segment got even more complicated in that it introduced other people and it had elements of diplomacy and things like that. So for its time, you know, 1964 made by a single teacher, uh, designed by a single teacher is super advanced. It was largely abandoned um, after the first run. It did get a pretty significant amount of funding from like public institutions. I think it was like $250,000 were thrown into building this game, which at the time mm-hmm. was a massive amount of money, right? I mean, it still is, but yeah, in 1964, that's like a couple million bucks. But then the fundamentals of the game were kind of uh, turned into another game called Hammurabi, which you know was much more gamey uh, in that approach. So yeah, that's where the first real, you know, uh, city builder type uh, type game kind of came about. No, I just want to note this is very interesting because it basically has all the stuff that you, all the points of a city management game or, yeah. or most of them. And it's somehow able to do it without like a visual aspect or, or like, you know, you're not playing on a computer screen basically. Yeah, I was so surprised to read this, honestly, because, uh-huh. uh, I mean, these games are complicated, right? There's a yeah. lot of information that's thrown at you, and even visually, it's overwhelming sometimes. And so the fact that they were able to do this for for sixth graders uh, in 1964 using only mm-hmm. text was super impressive, especially because the core components were there. Like, I wouldn't have expected things like random outcomes and you know diplomacy or, like, science trees to be there. I could imagine it just being a game about improving your yields and like using math to kind of make those decisions but mm-hmm. it was pretty complicated for its time and and was it that all the sixth graders played at the same time so it was like term based yeah that was my understanding it was i think it was the turns were essentially those rounds yeah and so all the the sixth graders would kind of work together and then input the answers into the single computer that they were that they were all sharing I see. which was which is super interesting yeah, this is super cool. I can imagine like a a board game version or something like this, you know, playing this uh, with a group of friends. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and even certain styles of the city building games, like obviously like Civilization are often described as like strategic board games rather mm-hmm. than like, you know, straight city builders. So it's, it's pretty interesting to kind of see the overlap overlap there. So uh, following that, the first major game, which uh, would really be classified, I think, in the modern day as being a city builder, city builder, was was called SimCity. And I think one of the biggest changes that they really brought about was this idea of constantly building towards something rather than trying to win or attain some victory condition. So the pure goal of SimCity was to just build a city. You weren't trying to like win something or do something, you know, like. To, a, to some goal, you were just building a city that 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 you were proud of, and the origins of the game are actually pretty hilarious. So the uh, the developer at the time was actually in the process of building another game called Raid on Bungling Bay, and it was a, a shoot 'em up where you would kind of like fly around in a helicopter um, and kind of you know hit targets. But the developer had more fun making the maps for the game than he did actually playing the game. 
And so he he just pivoted entirely into, you know, making it making it like a city builder game. So from there, he kind of worked on growing the tools, adding a lot of the more complicated elements of city management. And then he ultimately self-published the game um, in 1989, which was which is super interesting. Nice. And then following that, uh, we had Caesar, which was the first game that kind of took the elements of SimCity and applied it to a historical environment. This was released in 1982 on Atari and Mac. It's super similar to SimCity. It had the same basic idea of like managing a city and like dealing with you know populations and, and growth. But the biggest difference that they kind of brought about was that it was the first one that had elements of combat to the system. Hmm. So prior to this, which really was just SimCity, really, um, all systems were kind of self-contained. Um, yep. You know, you, you kind of built your city and you optimized for the districts that you had and things like that. But in Caesar, you had to deal with uh, barbarians. It wasn't quite battle oriented, so it's definitely not to the extent that like you could fight in a battle with someone, but you really had to protect yourselves against these barbarians coming potentially. Mm-hmm. And as you like went out to get resources, you kind of had to have protections in place for these barbarians. So I don't think you could actually like battle battle people, but you had to accommodate for the potential of combat and barbarians when you were kind of like building your city. If that makes sense. I see. Okay, I was going to ask if it had like a different view or mechanic when you go into battle, but it's it's kind of just like, it sounds like it's another type of resource or constraint that just happens. Yeah, it's another type of consideration. I think it, it really wasn't until some of the later games that frankly had more visual, um, you know, like breath to kind of explore some of these more complicated combat mechanics. Whereas like, you know, other ones were typically constrained just because of the graphical, t- uh, you know, requirements at the time mm-hmm. but yeah caesar was a it was a super interesting game i think it was the first one that kind of showed that you could apply these things to different environments rather than you know purely sticking to SimCity or, or like the modern day and Moonbase was the first one that i i saw that kind of set the city building genre in a more futuristic setting um, mm-hmm. There wasn't too much information on this. It was just listed on on Wikipedia. Um, and it seemed to be the first one that kind of had a futuristic setting. But the general idea was that, you know, you were expanding a moon base and you had to you know balance a, a certain set of resources like air and power and things like that. From the research I did, this one was a real first one that kind of stepped into uh, the future or like a yeah. non-standard environment, which was which is pretty interesting for me anyways. Yeah, I think the I, I didn't know there was one before called Moonbase because the the big space one that I always think of is Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri. Yes, for sure. Which um, Beyond Earth was based on the the Civ one, and it was really really bad. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, I, sorry, sorry. Let me let me resequence that. So Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri came out. And then they, it was used as like inspiration to make the new Civ game, like Civ Beyond Earth, a while ago. Mm-hmm. And and the new one sucked really bad. And I remember a lot of folks were like, "Hey, let's just go back and play the original." <laughs> so that that that's like the space one that I that I always remember of. This is an aside, but peop- the the people who play these games and in, in like larger communities have very very strong opinions about which ones are good and which ones are bad. Like yeah. I've only played Civ Six, but if I like when I was deciding which one to play, there were some very vehement people who were like, Civ Six is horrible, and you should only play Civ Five because it's it's the real way to be playing these kinds of games. Um, yeah. I remember there was like the whole hexagon versus octagon yeah. versus square. <laughs> I don't remember what the actual shapes were. It's it's really interesting. I mean, like people obviously get pretty invested in the genre. Um, and so I see where it comes from. But I think what I'm realizing is that all of them kind of have something to bring. Like I love Civ 6. 
Yeah. I was worried I wouldn't like it because of everything that I read, but I'm an addict at this point. And it's, it's a problem. So like, I think as long as you kind of like find your niche and just try something new, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll largely end up liking it. Um, which is interesting. Should I talk about the next game? Yeah. Um, maybe just a question. Are any of these other games that you've been talking about multiplayer or are, are they all single player experiences? As far as I know, most of these were single player. I could be wrong here. Mm-hmm. There is obviously the genre has room for people going into multiplayer. I think yeah. I just largely focus on the single player side since that's what I figured most newcomers would be focusing on. Got it. I could definitely chat about this a little bit, though. I think like the multiplayer side of this gets complicated really quickly, right? Because mm-hmm. these games are largely split across like real time, yeah. where everything is happening at the same time, or they're turn based, whereby you know you're you're kind of like competing against other people, but also taking turns, making a turn. Mm -hmm. And just because a single turn can often take, I don't know, 10 minutes to really decide like what you really want to do can stretch out. So for newcomers, I think it's definitely better to start with just playing the AI and understanding the fundamentals. And then if you feel like you want to actually play against other people, you can. It's just Mm -hmm. obviously is like a different game in some way because diplomacy changes and, you know, the length of game changes. It becomes much more of a commitment in my in my perspective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the next one, which I found pretty interesting, was uh, it was called Tropico. Um, it was it was a very first like creative slash like cheeky uh, city builder. I think prior to this, a lot of them, you know, just I mean, it's literally called a management style game. It sounds kind of yeah. like cut like pretty straight throat, uh, not straight throat. It's very like straightforward. Uh, you know, like pretty cut. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's very straightforward. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Sounds, sounds like work. Sounds like work. <laughs> exactly right. Like it sounds like you're, you know, you're just like doing a job. Um, Tropico, uh, you you play as a dictator that's in charge of a small island, and and you're kind of in charge of managing a relationship with two neighborhood superpowers who can, uh, you know, basically decimate your tiny island. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're trying to manage your citizens. What made them really stand out for a lot of newcomers, or, or at the time, really was there, there was a lot of randomness to it. And so, like, even though you were, like, the dictator of this island, you could randomly get assassinated. Ah. If you just, like, pissed off your citizens or, like, annoyed people, like, there were repercussions for that as you, as a leader, at a very concrete level. At the same time, if you wanted to, you could just assassinate your citizens. You could Mm -hmm. just do whatever you want. And there was a lot of, like, humor in the actual, like, storytelling of the game. It's not actually storytelling, but, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, humor and, and cheeky stuff in it. It ultimately went on to uh, make six total games. Uh, Tropica 6 was released in 2019. In that one, you play the role of El Presidente, who leads a nation called Tropica. It's pretty standard, right? Split across four main eras of the colonial stage, World War, Cold War, and modern. The biggest thing that it did differently was that it expanded the scenario from one major island to several. And so you kind of had to take into consideration how you manage the infrastructure between the islands. Ah. And then also... Obviously, by nature of the fact that you're running a dictatorship, essentially, you kind of have to strike a balance between productivity and revolt of the people and your military. So it's an interesting game. Like, I I haven't gotten to try it, but like the the gameplay and like overview that I saw of it definitely seemed like something that could be like a fun, uh, like a way to spend an evening or something like that. I see. It's now like a city's manager, even. Yeah. There's different things going on. Yeah, it's definitely expanding um, into uh, into bigger things. And I think the genre as a whole is moving towards that direction just because of time, right? Like it naturally gets more and more complicated over time. So mm-hmm. it's been interesting to kind of see how it's changed over the years. 
So the the next one, which I is is really I think probably one of the most important ones uh, to talk about, is is City Skyline. And so obviously, like as you can tell, a lot of these different iterations uh, from SimCity to Moonbase to Tropica have kind of been pushing the you know the precipice of the of the genre um, yep. in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think SimCity in particular ended up releasing like a bunch of uh, future iterations, which were more explorative, but a lot of those things didn't really vibe well with the people that wanted to play play these games. In particular, there was a, a release of SimCity in 2013 that really wasn't successful. It was it had requirements for being like online all the time, even though it was a yep. single player game. And there were certain mechanics which people just didn't really vibe with. And so at the same, uh, or right after this was released, a new game kind of entered the foray called Cities Skyline. And this is now basically considered to be the staple for what a core city management really game is about, mm-hmm. which is, you know, fundamentally just building a city. You don't have to worry about combat. You're basically just put on a plot of land and told to build. And the only thing that's really given to you before this is literally a, a road that leads to the core highway. So you're yeah. literally just building a, <laughs> a, um, a, a city from, sca- from scratch. It's super interesting. So yeah, as I said, it was it was released at the same time uh, as a reboot for SimCity, but because it pulled it back to a lot of these core components, people were really attracted to the the general simplicity of it. I had a really ambitious goal too of wanting to create an engine that could literally manage the daily routine of nearly one million unique citizens, mm-hmm. which is insane. Like that, I can't even imagine trying to coordinate a lot of those things but the beauty is that it it had a great feature which focused on the idea of creating districts rather than just individual cities that made it a lot easier for people to kind of manage and build their city uh, to the scale that they wanted it to so like one million is a lot of people but because of the approach that they took it was a lot more approachable right like you could kind of just build a higher level plan for the city first Mm -hmm. and then if you wanted to get nitty-gritty at the district level but if you really didn't want to, you could just kind of have a free-for-all approach of like the city, you know, the district kind of manage their own thing. And like, you're kind of just coordinating the overall plan of the city, which is which is super interesting. So I was one of the poor souls that bought SimCity 2013. Oof. <laughs> and I hated it. And I also bought City Skylines, uh, you know, when it came out. And I, here's the thing. Okay, so SimCity, I think the biggest issue with that game is... Uh, you know how you mentioned the notion of freedom and like taking different paths to get to the quote unquote yeah. end goal. Sim City basically at the quote unquote end game, you just build a bunch of casinos and you make infinite money. And that was <laughs> that was it. Like it was really boring. I think I, I agree with everything that you said with Sim uh, City Skylines, and they also released a whole bunch of DLC that just added so much more content. And I think they have modding as well, which SimCity didn't have. I think SimCity yeah. 2013 had one DLC and that was it. Whereas yeah. City Skyline is still continuing to release stuff. Yeah, City Skyline expanded a lot from its uh, from its like initial run, and that seems like a general pattern for I think the more successful city management tile games. Like even Civilization has historically really expanded past like its initial game to add more elements over time, and I think players. Uh, that are into the genre that like want to that are addicted to the complexity and the mechanics like the fact that you can kind of continue down that rabbit hole over time and so it makes sense to me that like city skyline was was as successful as it was i still haven't tried it i think frankly my position on a lot of the city management games is that i i need some goal in mind at the same time i i haven't really tried city city skyline so i wonder if maybe it'll be a little therapeutic to give it a go maybe 
Yeah, I, I don't remember if they have scenarios in that game anymore. Like, that's another feature that I like in some mm-hmm. of the games. If they just, like, give you a scenario to play through. With, Interesting. With okay. A couple goals or, like, star ratings, things like that. Yeah, that's super cool. I can also imagine there's mods out there for folks that really want to get into it that add scenarios or add some of those narrative elements. I mean, yeah. I think that's the thing, right? Like when you create the engine that is as flexible as a lot of these games are, um, players that are really passionate can kind of take it in the direction that they want it to. Mm-hmm. So it really is like what you what you want to make it. And I think the the last game that I really wanted to talk about was a super interesting one called Frostpunk. I, I think, Tristan, this is one that you're familiar with, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually didn't hear about this until we spoke about it in our interview with Airborne Kingdom. But uh, essentially, I, I think it's a really great example of, of how the city building uh, genre is still kind of evolving and changing over time, despite the success of a lot of these like root games like City Skyline. The basic premise of Frostpunk is that you are uh, set in a world where you play as the captain, who is the leader of a small group of survivors in what's essentially a post-apocalyptic world. You have a lot of the same standard mechanics in play here, um, but the biggest thing that uh, really comes into play this idea of dealing is this idea of dealing with your your environment. It's very emphasized to deal with uh, fluctuating temperatures, turmoil. Uh, random weather conditions, and a lot of these specific things are go beyond just affecting the individual districts or building. Workers themselves are often, uh, you know, get sick with frostbite or they get sick with other illnesses. And so when you're uh, when you're really positioning houses or dealing with people, is that uh, you you have to take into consideration a lot of these different environmental concerns. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that makes it stand out, and Tristan, feel free to expand on this since you've played it or have more experience with it, seems to be that like the narrative and story is a pretty unique thing to consider here. The game is trying to tell a story. And one of the criticisms is that it prioritizes it sometimes over the core sandbox approach that a lot of other silly builders have. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't know, as someone that's into narration, I can imagine it being a little fun. But what do you think? One, this game, yeah, actually, let's start with the nar- uh, narrative aspect. Yes. Like how this game is framed is around campaigns. There is, I think, three or four large stories that you play through to basically um, like go through the survivor's story of, mm-hmm. of, of the Frostpunk world. Um, I think it's really good. It actually creates a lot of context around why there are time limits or why th- some things happen. And it ties well into the story. I think they did a good job. I never thought, oh, man, I'm playing a story game versus a city management. I think where the game is unique uh, outside of that Mm -hmm. is just how hard the game is. Yeah, that's what I read as well. Yeah, you can mess up and everyone just ends up dying in your (laughs) your city. And there's some really hard trade-off choices. It's it's less about like, oh, I'm going to build this building here. But there are these kind of like, um, what do you call them? Uh, Like laws that you can make. Um, to kind of accelerate production. And one of them is basically child labor. Yeah. Like, that is what it's called. <laughs> um, so so it, it's, it's, it really feels like a survival city management game because mm-hmm. it, it's very stressful. It's very difficult. You can lose. Um, and I think there's a lot of emphasis on like going back and trying it again, trying to figure out the right strategy versus kind of what we were talking about before of doing what you want to do, building the right type of city. This is like purely around that end goal. Yeah. Yeah. I know that makes sense. I mean, I think one thing I appreciated about this is that like 
the the go-to line for a lot of city building games is that like you're a god or like you're the king of your city mm-hmm. um it, this is obviously not the case with something like frostpunk right like you're yeah. very clearly fighting for success mm-hmm. and like quite literally fighting the wind uh, as opposed to um feeling like some god that's managing their perfect city and like the environment and wind conditions are brutal and you have to struggle to achieve victory as opposed to kind of like you know having a relaxing foray building the perfect yeah. green city um, in San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's pretty interesting. I'm definitely going to try to pick it up over the next couple of weeks if I have some free time. So Raza, I had, a, I had a quick question here. I know we talked about various types of city management games. I know civilization is one of the things that came up. You also brought up humankind, which I think came out what just uh, a few weeks ago. Um, what is kind of the main difference between a pure sitting management game and some of these other types of broader games? I don't even know how to call them. Maybe you can define it for me here that Civ or Humankind or some of these other things fall into. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I, I, I saw a lot of debate about this online. I don't know why people are debating about this, but it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think this broader genre of, of civilization and Age of Empires slash um, humankind is is uh, what's often described as 4x games and the core gameplay loop of that genre is, is a lot more focused on expanding mm-hmm. and kind of exploring a lot of different uh, you know your civilization as opposed to building just a very concrete city so it, the 4x that it's described as quite literally describes explore expand exploit and exterminate mm-hmm. these games are sometimes split between you know uh, turn-based and in real time so the, but the basic idea is that you're expanding your city and building mm-hmm. an empire rather than purely building um, something for the sake of you know just building something they really lean into elements of conquering and combat and diplomacy so like rather than just intrinsically building a city mm-hmm. your ability to kind of succeed in these games is very heavily dependent on how good you are at building the right cities and the right places and then also using the resources you have available to quite literally conquer the people around you mm-hmm. and expand your empire as, as wide as possible the prototypical game for the genre, as I've obviously mentioned, is Civilization. I personally love it. Um, I've put like way too many hours into the game, but it allows players to kind of follow and build a civilization across all periods of time. So you quite yeah. literally start as a settler and you pick like a prototypical historical figure. So they literally have everyone from Cleopatra to Teddy Roosevelt to Hammurabi, um, who's my personal favorite. And you kind of, uh, you know, build a civilization from the ground up and then work from, as I said, a settler all the way up to nukes and, and space satellites and things like that. Mm -hmm. You can win these games in a multiple, like a multitude of ways. Sometimes there's a science victory. Sometimes you win by dominating other people, but yeah, I think to go back to your core question, it's really about like what you're trying to do. These games are fundamentally about winning and Mm -hmm. conquering. Whereas city builder games in the purest form are just about building a city and like, there's not, it's not about winning. It's just about having something you're, you're proud of to some degree. Got it. I, I personally still find these um, a little more enjoyable than core city building games. I think, uh, you know, I find enjoyment in kind of expanding something. Exterminating. Yeah, exterminating <laughs> is my favorite pastime. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love these games. Um, I just picked up Humankind unfortunately on stadia uh just a mistake um but yeah it's been it's been interesting there's definitely a few things it's trying to do pretty different from from a lot of the other ones but yeah i think there's a lot of expansions of city building right like i think even the general idea of management is something a lot of other things like farm simulator and stuff trying to get into yeah and they all have the same core elements of like dealing with resources deciding where you want to place things 
um, and like building something new from the ground up, if that makes sense. Got it. I, I just want to plug one of my favorite Forex games, which is Endless Legend. I don't know if you've heard or played that one. Is it made by the same people as a Humankind? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's made by Amplitude. I haven't heard, I haven't played it, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, that one's a really fun one. I, I'm debating if I should. Now I'll just talk about city management games. I, I'm like, should I buy Humankind? I know <laughs> Anno, Anno is another city management Anno. series. That's yeah, really Anmo popular. is another one that came up in my research. I just didn't include it because I, I didn't have time. But that was another like approachable one that I saw that, that folks yeah. might be interested in. And I'm just torn which one I'm, I should buy. You should do Humankind so that we can critique it together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is really the crux of the city building game. I mean, I think um, uh, it, it's definitely something that for people can be difficult to jump into just because of the fact that there is an uphill climb, a lot of mechanics, um, and a lot of individually boring components. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly love these games. It, it's so much fun watching your city grow from the ground up. It's fun watching something kind of uh, that you've created that's uniquely your own. Um, and when you kind of step back and look at uh, what you've built over the course of several days or several hours, there, there is definitely a sense of pride that's there, yeah. knowing that this is something that wouldn't have been possible without your particular thought process or your you know like direction. And so I think for listeners that are that are um, here with us, like I would definitely try out these games, even if you think that they're not your cup of tea. Um, like I said, there's an uphill climb, but there's an uphill, there's definitely a lot of really approachable um, options here that we've kind of laid out. And I would definitely encourage you guys to check it out. I think it's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Raza, for for all the information. Um, this is really interesting. I mean, I've played a lot of city management games before, but I think like you know, breaking it down like this, understanding where the core concepts and going back to like folks who really want to get into it. Um, you, you brought it up from a perhaps a negative lens of people fighting over which version is the best, <laughs> right? Um, but I think that shows that there is probably an option for anyone, um, depending on what they're looking for. And I think just to follow up from this chat this week, we have our interview with The Wandering Band next week, where we talk about their game, Airborne Kingdom. So please make sure to tune in again um, because that was a very, very interesting conversation about how they uh, approach the city management genre. There's also some very spicy takes in that interview um, about the gaming industry in general. So it's, uh-huh. it's a fun interview. Tristan and I had a, had a blast uh, chatting yeah. with them. It's a great one. Yeah. Th- as always, folks, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Tristan and I are having a blast uh, checking out these games and speaking with the studios. Um, this is Loading Screen. Join us again next week. Um, when we release our next episode. Thanks for your time. Goodbye.